Welcome to the All Bodies Nutrition Podcast. I am your host, Delenia Agresta, and I am a weight-inclusive registered dietitian. I started this podcast to help people like you heal their relationship with their bodies and food. Each week, there is a new episode that talks about different topics surrounding eating disorder recovery, diet culture, weight inclusivity, and more. So stay tuned, and thanks for listening. Thank you so much, Christina Tested, for coming on. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much for inviting me to be here. I'm so excited okay. too. I'm so ha- I'm excited for many parts of this conversation because we have been chatting prior to the recording. Um, and most importantly, you just released a book that you wrote um, for children, um, and it's called Embrace Your Features, which I think is amazing and should be plastered everywhere for children at all times to see. Um, but Maybe you can give us a little bit of a background about what inspired you to write this book. And obviously, I'd like to get into like your own personal story. But let's first talk about the book. Sure. Yep. So it's called Embrace Your Features, like you said. And it actually my whole intention for the book was if, for it to be for any age. Um, it looks like a children's book. It's colorful, you know, the illustrations. But it really is for the youngest reader to the oldest reader. My purpose is for... Um, the parents, the grownups, the teachers who are reading it to the child to get the same message as the child. Um, it's really like it came out of my healing and recovering from diet culture. Um, and I know it helped my inner child. Mm-hmm. So I really think it's the a book for the inner child as well of the adults. Um, so the book came from actually an Instagram post <laughs> from... 2020. Um, it was in the, you know, the midst of all the Zoom meetings and uh, Google meets and virtual learning. And I noticed that every time somebody came onto a screen, they apologized for how they looked. Mm-hmm. And they would be like, you know, uh, I'm sorry, I don't have any makeup on. You know, I'm sorry, my hair's not dyed, my grays are showing, you know, I'm sorry, my eyebrows are not done. I'm Uh, you know, I can't put my camera on. You'll be scared if you looked at me. And I started to feel badly. And I thought, what are our children feeling Mm. when they hear adults saying this all the time? And, you know, words have always been very powerful to me. So I like, know we say a lot, embrace your flaws. And so I looked up in the dictionary, like flaws, and features. And I compared the synonyms of those words. And when you look up the word flaws, it says defect, um, something that mars you, an imperfection. And when you look up features, it says characteristic, trait, attribute. And I thought, wow, we're calling normal parts of us mm-hmm. flaws. When we say embrace your flaws, they're not really flaws, these things that we're calling flaws. They're just really normal parts of us who that make us who we are. Mm. And so I did this whole Instagram post dissecting the definition of flaws and features and talking about it. And I used the hashtag embrace your features for so long on Instagram. Mm. But nobody was, you know, there was no impact. Um, not the impact I wanted. Um, I wasn't the right audience, I guess. And so fast forward to last summer, um, it was like one year after uh, leaving diet culture, deleting the Weight Watchers app off my phone and starting therapy. And I was like, 
I want to, I want to make an impact with my own journey with the embrace your features. What better way to do it? I'm a teacher. Let me try to write a book. And, you know, so I took all the ideas from the Instagram posts and made it into um, this book. I love <laughs> that so much. That is amazing. And, you know, like you and I were talking about how in recent years, this anti-diet culture, body positivity thing has really, I feel, kind of grown over the past few years, which is so great. And obviously there's so much more work to do. And, um, you know, I think that starting from as young as possible, right? Like I'm not a parent yet, um, but I would imagine that children are absorbing every single thing that how we treat ourselves, our demeanor, our um, like unspoken types of communication. And it really must profoundly impact them and then how in turn they look at themselves and treat themselves and so like from an educator standpoint could you give a little bit of an insight um to that type of thing yeah so more and more we're noticing you know younger and younger school-aged children are very aware um of their body type and um, if they look different from their peers and their peers are really the ones that are making them feel different mm -hmm. as young as kindergarten. I'm a kindergarten teacher. You know, we have lots of times kids coming to us and saying, so-and-so called me fat, you know, and young kids are using fat as an insult, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, we know where they're learning that from because it's the world, right? Yeah. Fat is the number one insult insult that people like to go to right when they're mad at you mm -hmm. um and so kids are using that as an insult in school you know I'm in a pre-k to fifth grade school and fifth grade students you know are really insecure about you know what they look like and are being made fun of so young and younger and younger because of social media as well children are very aware when they look differently from other people and um I want to do whatever I can to help um, change the narrative around body image. And um, so I like from the first day of school, I'm, you know, I have a lot of books that have characters, you know, in different size bodies, mm -hmm. you know, I guess because I'm healing my, you know, inner child and I'm, I am like through my students, yeah. you know, like, we're doing this together. So I'm doing all the research on like books that have different body types inside of the books, mm -hmm. you know, and songs, like just this year alone, I found some songs that are celebrating all different body types. And we have conversations about that. Um, and uh, when a child is called fat, we talk about it. We talk about all bodies are good bodies and how fat is not an insult. And so I, in my classroom, it, I do a lot of that, you know, discussion and um, making them aware of different types of people and different types mm -hmm. of, you know, bodies. So um, I wish it was like part of everybody's curriculum, but, yeah. you know, that's why to me making a book like this is like, if I can get a book like this into the hands of people, um, grownups, teachers, like maybe they could start the conversation as well. So, um, 
maybe yeah. it won't be as bad, you know, for our children. I think that's such an important point. And, you know, you talk about healing your own inner child and your own experience with um, diet culture and things like that. Um, and I would imagine um, just from my experience as like a practitioner in the nutrition space, um, a lot of parents would come to me with like very severe fat phobic beliefs and tendencies and things like that. And so it makes me sad when I think back to like my childhood um, and I was always a bigger person and I knew that from like a very young age. And it makes me sad thinking about children today with their parents struggling with their own issues, not recognizing how harmful this mindset is and this these types of behaviors are um have you encountered in like your own classroom that type of kind of obstacle well one specific example comes to mind and it's not actually from a parent of a student this school year but um a parent of a student I had um I guess three to four years ago I had her daughter in kindergarten and now I guess she's in third grade, I want to say, um, or fourth, third or fourth grade. And the parents saw me recently outside at dismissal and she hadn't seen me for a few years. Um, and she greeted me with in front of my students that I was dismissing in front of other parents. Oh, my God, what happened to you? You got fat. And I was just like shocked. Because the way she said it, like, I know fat's not a bad word. Mm -hmm. I know, you know, it's okay to be in a larger body. Mm -hmm. But the way she said it was with, you know, like shock and disgust and some like something was wrong with me, right? So I was, you know, stunned. And I just looked at her and I said, why, why do you, why would you say something like that to me? Like, like, what do you mean? And she was like, yeah, you got fat. She said, what happened? Are you sick? And I said, no, I'm not sick. And like, I tried to change the subject because I had like five-year-olds at my feet waiting to be dismissed, you know, and oh other parents God. around me, but tears started to come to my eyes. And she was like, are you, are you, did I offend you? And I was like, well, I'm hurt because I didn't expect you to greet me like that. There's nothing wrong with being fat, you know? this fat's not bad. Uh, there's nothing wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And I like felt my tears getting, you know, more. And you're like, you know, when you feel yeah. like you're going to cry and you're trying to hold it in. And I like walked in with my students, but I was really upset because I did all this hard work mm -hmm. for a year trying to feel better about myself and not look at myself the way that the world looks at somebody who drops out of diets and, mm. um, you know, gains weight. And I was trying, it, it was like, it took me two steps back, you know, yeah. and, it, you know, I thought to myself, all the things that you're told to think like, that's a her issue. Obviously she was projecting, but I was like, wow, her poor child, yeah. you know, like, is that the message she's giving her child? So mm. that, you know, that was, that was difficult, you know, um, that was so a difficult, sorry that you yeah, well, you know, I, I'm good now. And like when it first happened, I cried a lot about it because I want I want my students' parents to remember me for the impact I make in their mm -hmm. students' lives, right? I don't want them to remember me for what my body looked like, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so I think the work that 
I do in my classroom and I help promote my school about body positivity and healthy body image is like, we need it. Like schools mm -hmm. need it. Um, you know, families need it. And she wound up apologizing. I do want to say that. And um, she sent me flowers and she wrote me a card, but it was like, the excuse was like, it was cultural. And I do get that there's some cultural, like, you know, people have cultural beliefs, but at the same time in any culture, I don't think we mm -mm. should put people down for being in a larger body. I don't, I don't think like that should be a universal thing in all cultures. Of we should course. embody shame, you know? And like, I just don't understand why someone who isn't like, like I would almost expect like a close family member or like a close friend or someone like who thinks that they have like well-meaning intent, quote unquote, but like someone who you don't even really know like it's in a somewhat of a distance professional type setting would come up to someone and say that that is so stupid and disgusting I yeah, don't know what I, I would I, say what was able to for me to get through it was just like she's projecting yeah and that's what I just kept on telling myself she obviously feels that way about herself or uh, you know and she Maybe she's fat. She's obviously fat phobic and doesn't mm -hmm. want probably works really hard not to get fat mm -hmm. and didn't, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. But yeah. I mean, that's just another example of yeah. how I, when you're fighting this fight you in schools, there are parents, right. Who are giving their yeah. children a different message possibly, you know, and I hear the way kids talk referring to foods, like that's bad. That's mm -hmm. junk that's unhealthy. And I do try to give them a different perspective when I hear that. And I've heard health lessons in school. My own children bring home health lessons where I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, that's, yeah. So, um, yeah, you can't do it alone. Like this is no. hard to do alone and you're only one person. So I try to give my own perspective where I can to help my students and fellow teachers and parents like stop and think oh yeah maybe you have a point um yeah that's what you can do right I mean plant the seed it's tough to to tear down these you know systemic issues it's very very difficult but I think like even just one like if there's even one teacher out there like yourself who's trying it's it's better than what it was you know like I remember I think it was like health class when I was in high school and one of the assignments that we had to do was like count all the calories that we had in one day and then you know mathematically determine how many grams of carbs how many grams of fat how many grams of protein that we were having and I don't really remember specifically anything about it but I just remember like now as like a dietitian who specializes in eating disorders um it's like the hugest red flag I've ever seen and like the worst thing that you could ever do for impressionable high schoolers who have such a high percentage of um, body image obstacles and things yeah. like that. And something that I think a lot, a lot of people don't talk about enough is like with the rise of social media and TikTok and filters and Facetune and, and all these apps that could have you morph your body into something that it's not um how do you think that that impacts which 
sorry my pug just distracted me um how would you say from a professional standpoint like does that really impact like the mental health of children and I'm sure children in in your classes probably are on TikTok I mean I think kids all over are probably on these apps yeah my kindergartners don't mention TikTok I mean but um they're definitely on youtube they're definitely you know they definitely might be see their fan their parents phone you know on tiktok they don't mention it but i wouldn't be surprised if they were on it but um i know that you know i'm part of my school's equity team we have an equity team and i'm co-leading it this year um and it was my idea to study body image and how there's it's not equitable like mm. large people in larger bodies because over the years we've studied race, we've studied um, gender identity, you know, we've studied um, immigrants, we've studied all these other areas yeah. where there's inequalities, right? But I told them like this year, hey, I think, you know, we should study body image. And so they made me lead the group with another teacher. And we've done a lot of talking around this in social media. And I found a lot of articles, um, you know, and studies online about how social media is really hurting, especially our, you know, teenage girls um, and how they did these surveys um, where a lot of teenage girls on social media versus off social media and the depression rate of the girls on social media is substantially significant, um, significantly more than the, the, the group that they had stay off of social media. And I mean, it's not surprising, but yeah. I think sometimes we don't stop and think like we just let them go on and we don't, you know, talk about the things they see and, you know, question it or put on those, you know, parental, um, what do you call those? The parental, or yeah. Um, because we think it's going to be okay, but, um, it's really having an impact on them. And, um, uh, I mean, if it has an impact on adults, of yeah. course it's gonna have an impact on them, you know, I grew up in the, like, I was like a teenager in the early 2000s. And like, we, I think we still had like magazines then. Um, and obviously things were like airbrushed and retouched and like, you only saw thin, you know, models and all like Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera and all of them were like, those, those were the ones on the covers and stuff like that. Um, and like, it was bad then, but I can't imagine how much worse it is now with like TikTok and all the filters that can literally change your face without even recognizing it to make it look like your lips are bigger, your nose is smaller, yeah. your eyes are bigger, you have fuller right. hair. Um, and then the editing of images, which has become so easy. And like, I would imagine even like young girls are, you know, doing that. And so to look at these Instagram models or these YouTubers that are famous that probably get plastic surgery and things like that at way too young of an age. Um, the issue that I think that I feel not as a parent, but just like as someone in the space who, you know, has patients that are very young that do have eating disorders or disordered eating behaviors is that parents may not recognize that some of these things that they're watching or people that they're following are very problematic. So it's not like necessarily that they're you they're, they're not engaging in content that's like you know rated r or whatever or sexually related or anything but like they could just be doing like a makeup haul so you have this girl that has hair extensions maybe is using some sort of 
filter on TikTok because now everything, you know, is filmed on the phone, which you can switch into an app and it changes you. So they could just be watching like a, a makeup haul or a hair tutorial or a baking video or something like that. And they're their eyes are getting used to normalizing seeing these individuals in certain ways that becomes normal in their minds but then they look at themselves and they're like why do I look like this right and that's like terrifying to me the concept right. is so well, that scary. Was, that's the whole point of my book like to get to get it, I wanted to spark conversation like I want families to like read it together and talk about what does features mean you know what does it mean to embrace your features how are you going to embrace your features that you have right now today like my daughter wants to gift the book to her high school English teachers like it's that to me it's it that's the range it can go to mm -hmm. like to know that this is the legacy that I have for my own children that they'll be reminded you know forever that yeah. this is what their mom taught them, That's that so they should cool. embrace, you know, every part of them. Um, because you're right, because the world tells you not to. Social media, magazines, commercials, um, Disney Disney movies, <laughs> you know, like that's what we grew up with, right? The Disney yeah. Disney movies. It's, you know, now and now, now maybe they're coming out with more, you know, um, different, you know, characters that, you know, they didn't have, you know, back when, we, you know, they Disney movies first came out. But mm. um, yeah, I think parents need to have the conversation with them. Yeah. But this is the thing. We're all products of diet culture, right? All of us. Yep. So, you know, I didn't know any better five, six years ago. Yeah. Like maybe I knew a little bit about because of how I grew up. Yeah. But I still was deep in diet culture. You know, I, I was you know, considered a Weight Watcher success story. I was on, my picture was plastered all over, you know, the Weight Watcher website. I was in a Weight Watcher commercial. Like I, that, I made that my identity, Yeah. you know? So I was deep into diet culture, um, but I still like, wouldn't let them see me measuring my food. I wouldn't let them see me mm. um, measuring, like measuring myself going on a scale. I wouldn't like to talk about scales in front of them. So I still knew a little bit, like I can't do this to them, Yeah. but they were aware that I was yeah. being celebrated. You know, they were, they, I, I now regret it, but I used to, if my husband was working, I used to take them with me to the Weight Watcher meetings. I had them put on like head headsets and play on their iPad, but they're not stupid. Yeah. They saw, they saw people lined up waiting to get weighed, you know, they, they weren't stupid. Yeah. So I regret that, but I'm not going to, I don't, I don't want anybody to shame me for that. And I don't want to no, shame myself. I didn't know better. Right. hundred percent. So that's like how I view like the woman who, the parent who said, oh my God, you got fat, you know, or the parent who's telling their kids that chips are junk food or, yeah. you know, the parent that's allowing their child to watch whatever it is that wa they're watching on social media. Um, and not thinking I should say something about this because they, they didn't, they don't realize it themselves, 100%. you know, yes. it's like you really like something clicked for me and mm -hmm. I, you know, it could have been a lot of things, but when you, if you don't dig deep yeah. about it, just like anything, racism, just yep. like anything, if you don't stop and, you know, dig deep, like, why am I thinking about it? thinking this way about certain things and the, how can I change that then 
you're not going to have the conversation with your child about 100%. you know so that's hard like it's hard you know it's it's hard and it's scary and I know probably you experience this and I tell my clients all the time like once you are in a space of recovery from diet culture or your eating disorder or whatever it may be you can't unsee it and then you see it everywhere all the time and it's yeah. like it's like like red flags everywhere yes. like, oh my gosh like how is this yes. happening oh my goodness that is so true like when I first it I was so sensitive to all of it like I heard it everywhere places I never noticed it before like on the radio like I'd be driving home from work and just a commercial on the radio or even the radio the hosts of the radio shows talking I'm like oh my god that is so fat phobic I can't believe they just said it's that. all but anyone that, talks about I would have to lower things because I was like I I don't want to hear this. Like, is you're so right. As yes. once you get out of it, you can't yes. unsee it. That is so true. And that's kind of how I felt like early on in my career. Um, I had worked um throughout my dietetic internship and previously in an outpatient eating disorder program at Cohen's Children's Hospital in um New Hyde Park. And so I had worked with like like very very uh significant disordered eating eating disorder populations where they were hospitalized because of how sick they were um and so that was like my first step into it and I just remember always thinking how um scary it was to see these like young children like eight nine ten eleven years old sitting there at the table and at the time you know I was you know in my what early 20s um so I think they viewed me as more of like a peer than an authority figure and they would just openly talk about the behaviors that they were engaging in and I was dumbfounded I was floored at and I'm not gonna like list them here because I don't think it's necessary but they were sharing tips of how they could eat as little as possible and how and on all this stuff and I just couldn't believe it and so to think of like how um scary that is then to know how prevalent how more prevalent eating disorders are now because most individuals who have eating disorders are individuals who are in normal or larger size bodies is like such a sickening statistic that I like it's like one of the things that keeps me up at night. I mean, many things concern me about the world that we live in. Yeah. Um, and that's definitely one of them. And it's why I feel like as I went through my career and I worked in the hospital and I got a lot of clinical experience, I somehow found my way back into that space um, because it's just such an underserved population and, and really banging on the head of like anyone who follows me or colleagues or people that I, I speak with about my work is that most individuals who have disordered eating or eating disorders are just as sick or sicker than those who are in smaller size bodies. It's just the smaller size bodies are the ones that get recognized, which is really a disservice um, and is honestly disgusting. Yeah. So it's just very unfortunate, but that's why the work that you do, the work that I do, people in this space do is so important and I would love for you if you would feel comfortable to share like your own experience yeah I'm sure um so I just like you had said you from when you were younger you can remember not feeling comfortable and you you know 
in your body, like how people perceived you. I, I can remember as, you know, as young as 10 years old, because I hit puberty early, I developed early and, you know, that was a thing for everybody to comment on. Right. And so in elementary school, I was nicknamed by a certain boy. I remember his first and last name so clearly. Mm-hmm. You always do, right? You remember the people who like bullied you so perfectly. He nicknamed me Mount Sinai because of my developing chests, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, I remember gym class right away. No sweatshirts, big sweatshirts hide to hide myself. Yeah, I was on the basketball team. I loved basketball. I was a forward. I enjoyed it. I got trophies for it at the award ceremonies, but as I developed and got made fun of, I didn't want to run, you know, back Mm -hmm. and forth on the court anymore and have people looking at my body and I quit. Um, and you know, that just, those things stuck with me. I had a health teacher, you know, you mentioned also health lesson, right? Like I had a health teacher and I'll never forget. I can visualize myself sitting in his classroom And he talked about how the amount of fat that you pinch on your stomach as you sit right here in the classroom is how, how much overweight you are and how much fat you have to lose. Mm. And I was a seventh grader, maybe sixth grader. And I remember, I I remember vividly who was to the left of me, who was to the right of me and how they both were in smaller bodies. And I remember hiding myself, pinching myself, hoping they didn't see how much I had in my hand, you know, compared to theirs. And feeling the shame of look at all the fat that's in my hand that I have to lose, you know, Mm -hmm. and it just went into, you know, high school, um, and college. And I just always didn't feel enough. Like I felt always like the ugly duckling, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, I remember being on the cabbage soup diet with my mom, slim fast with my mom, um, Atkins with my mom, Um, and it was just a never ending cycle of diets. Mm. And, you know, I met my husband in high school, you know, he loved me unconditionally, uh, which every man, you know, every man should Mm -hmm. love their partner unconditionally. Um, but he, um, you know, is my best friend to this day. And, um, even though I had that love from, from him, yeah. I still didn't feel enough, you know, like this, I still felt to the world, like I wasn't enough. Um, and after having my two children and just feeling like I, you know, watching people exercise around me and I mm-hmm. didn't believe that I was the type of person who could exercise and all those things. I said, I had to change myself. I saw a picture of myself and I hit rock bottom because I didn't dare take pictures of myself. I wouldn't even look in a mirror, right? And so one day I saw a picture of myself and I was like, whoa, I have to do something. And I thought going on Weight Watchers would be oh, the thing yeah. that yeah. would change my life, you know, for the better. And I went on Weight Watchers and my mom joined me. And so, you know, that was like 38 years old. I'm 45 now. So 37, 38 years old. And I went on a diet with my mom, just like when I was younger. And I learned how to lose weight very fast, very fast. Mm -hmm. And I got celebrated very fast and six to seven, eight months into being on Weight Watchers, I was being recognized by the company, being asked to be in a commercial, um, you know, and 
my Instagram account was a weight loss account. Mm -hmm. And I posted side-by-sides like it was my job. Transformation Tuesday, face-to-face Friday, I was part of it all. And I was applauded constantly for shrinking, you know, Um, and getting all these accolades and opportunities to speak at a Weight Watcher events, you know, and Mm. being called inspiring, you know, over and over again for getting smaller. And I thought, you know, I was living my best life. Like I, those lines, everybody, you know, says I was becoming the better version of myself, Mm. you know, and somebody recently after telling them my story asked me, were you happy? And I was just like, wow, wait, because I sure did act like I was happy. I was happy, but for the wrong reasons, excuse me, all that external validation, right? Yeah. it made me so happy because I finally felt like I was enough, right? And um, I don't know what shifted, but around that time where I was thinking, around the 2020 time where I was telling you about, I was thinking, whoa, we're saying that we got to embrace our flaws. We don't really have flaws. Like that's where my mindset started to shift. Mm. And it still took me about a year after that shift to really like delete the app and, you know, trust myself. It's been a long journey. And um, it wasn't until I sought therapy. Um, I thought I could do it on my own, but it wasn't working out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I felt that I felt more anxiety and stress over it all. And really going to therapy was the best thing that I could have done for myself and my recovery in all of this. Um, but yeah, um, that's basically the gist of it. Now I'm here almost two years officially out of diet culture and one year, almost one year of therapy. <coughs> Excuse me. And wrote a children's book about embracing your features and, you know, doing all this kind of self-love advocacy in my school um, and my community, like, I couldn't have done all that stuff if I was still stuck in Weight Watcher diet culture world, you know? Oh my God. Weight Watchers is like a cult. Like it really, it's terrifying when you think about it. It it really, like, it really is. (laughs) You bond over hating yourself. You bond over uh, wanting to change yourself and you bond over disordered things. And I never, like, I'm sure anybody who listens to this, who is maybe in the thick of diet Mm -hmm. culture right now and in Weight Watchers might be saying, no, I'm not disordered because that's, that's what I thought too. You know, I thought that too, like, no, this is normal. But when you're stuck in that zone and everybody around you is doing that, like, it was my night and day. My all my Instagram accounts were weight watches, weight watches, weight loss. You know, that's all I saw. It took me a long time to curate a feed where yeah. I see people like you, you know, and I'm constantly looking for new people to follow because it's still, you know, as even if it's all these years, it's that's why my message wasn't getting out there because most of the people that follow me like yeah. want to still change themselves and not really embrace their features, you know. I think that's so important and I was 
I think 13 when my mom made me join Weight Watchers. I will never forget one of the meetings that I went to. It was probably one of the most traumatic experiences of my life. Um, and I just remember the fear of getting on the scale. And it was like so traumatizing and scary. And like, obviously, like at the time, my mother thought that she was like doing the right thing, which obviously was not the right thing. Um, and um, I remember this lady crying, hysterically crying, like, cause we were in like a circle. I don't know if like, that's how they do meetings now. Not a circle anymore, but you're oh. in, you know, the chairs. Oh, okay. And yeah. she was like hysterically crying that she like ate a whole box of donuts. And like hearing that as like a child was like so scary because like I wasn't engaging in those types of behaviors my binge eating would come later on. But it it like now reflecting back on that, I'm like, this individual had binge eating disorder and needed actual help. Yeah. Not from a Weight Watchers yes. person who is literally just someone who does the program. Yes. They're just normal, regular people like us. You don't have to have a certificate and, you know, be a di- dietitian and have a nutrition background or anything. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's part of also the issue, even in the intuitive eating recovery space, is that like, as a dietitian, you have to have a bachelor's degree in some sort of science, you have to maintain certain science classes to be even considered to apply for a dietetic internship. And now as starting as 2024, all dietitians will need to have a master's degree. So there's like a lot of education that goes into becoming a dietitian. And so for individuals, like everyday individuals who make Instagram accounts, even like they're like, oh, I'm in recovery. I can teach you how to be in recovery. It's kind of the same thing as like the Weight Watchers thing. And the scary part is, is like these people go viral on social media, on TikTok. And, you know, there's always like a fine line between when they're doing quote unquote anti-diet stuff. And like you and I were talking prior to recording and it's still being some level of disordered eating, but like perceived in a quote unquote healthy way, which is why I don't even like to use the word healthy when referring to any type of food or eating pattern or anything, because it automatically in your mind will put it on like a certain tier, you know, oh, that's the better tier. Oh, but if I'm not going to Whole Foods and I'm not eating a quote unquote balanced lunch, then there's something wrong with that. And it kind of feeds into the same type of thing. So it's literally the same thing as like some level of dieting, but just packaged differently, which is scary. Well, the thing is, when you go into diets, well, at least for me, I had my already a poor relationship with food, my body. You know, I didn't I went into Weight Watchers already with the poor body image and the poor relationship with food and myself. But then I gained so much more disordered habits and even a worse relationship from going to Weight Watchers right so I I didn't I thought they were fixing I thought they were going to fix me yeah they helped me lose weight but I didn't fix my relationship with food I just got even a worse relationship with food I learned more disordered habits from them and counting points is like I mean I don't even know how the point system works now 
I think they have like all these different plans or whatever. And they, they market it, you know, in a way that makes it sound like, oh, but it's like a healthy way. Oh, yeah. they have dietitians behind it. They have doctors. And now they're having weight loss medications with Weight Watchers, yeah. which is, there are no words right. that I have I to pray. And, and, you know, you talk about how you were, you were brought into this and it seems like you know, it was like the best thing, right? Like, oh, finally, right. I, I found something that is going to quote unquote fix me. Like there was nothing right. wrong with you to begin with. Right. Like you were always fine. It was right. like the diet culture. That was the problem. Not you. Right. But you're so clouded at that when that's going on that like you don't even realize that from all those years and years like that, that boy calling me Mount Sinai stuck in my head forever. You know, yeah. you know, the comments people have made about my body from a child to an, a young adult, I still have those recorded in my brain, you know? Yeah. So you, you, you're clouded by all that stuff. So of course you're thinking I'm horrible. My body's not good. Weight Watchers is going to help me or whatever diet it is. They're going to help me. And I'm finally going to be good. I'm finally going to be enough to the world, right? Because this is what the world thinks is wonderful. Smaller, right? Is is better to the world, you know? Yeah. So you, you don't realize that when you go into this diet, mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, I didn't realize that. I, and I thought, wow, look at, look at how much everybody loves me. Look at how much everybody, people at work who never spoke to me before, all of a sudden spoke to me when I lost weight, they wanted to know what I was doing, you know, yeah. like, it was like, really like you were, I was worthy all of a sudden, you know, of conversation. <laughs> you know, it's, and, and again, I know people might listen to this that are being like, well, that's not my story. Well, you know, this, I, I just want to preface this, but this is like, this is my truth. This is my story. Like, um, transformation photos, you know, messed me up. I, for a long time, I just visualized me in a before and after, you know, that's what made me seek out therapy. Cause all I could do was visual visualize in my head a before and after. And it gave me great anxiety that I didn't look like the after picture anymore. I would look like more the before picture again, you mm -hmm. know? And a lot of people don't, don't like that whole idea of stop commenting on people's bodies. They think it's absolutely fine as you know, you're complimenting them. Why, you know, they want the compliments and I guarantee that they, you don't see it now, but later on the effects yeah. of getting all those compliments catches, it catches up. You, you it's, unfortunately will, will feel the effects. It's like a drug, like getting, feeling so motivated, sticking to the plan, doing whatever it was, um, you know, whatever way you were managing your points. Um, did you find that you were engaging in any like disordered eating behaviors while you were on Weight Watchers? Oh, 100%. I, I would count the, like the uh, smallest amount of chocolate chips to put into a uh, dessert I was having, or maybe if I made myself, you know, pancakes, but of course they weren't quote unquote, normal, regular pancakes. Mm. They were like a protein pancake of some sort. The certain amount to make sure there was zero points. You know, I at one point took a before and after picture and put it on food so I wouldn't touch the food. Mm -hmm. um, and thank God for my husband 
this is how clouded I was that he said to me, I really don't want you to do that because how about if Emily sees it, my daughter, how about if, how about if she sees that and gets the wrong idea? And I was like, you know, you're right. Now I feel so stupid that I didn't realize that, you know, but again, like give yourself, I have to give myself grace. Like, of course, no, I, I didn't, I didn't get to this point yet. That was the point I was at. Um, but the measuring part, like measuring perfectly to get the exact points. I used to question what was made in recipes that people cooked. I used to bring food to places you know, when my, when we had family over, they got regular pasta, me and my mom ate the zucchini noodles, you know, or the spaghetti mm-hmm. squash. And I used to say that I didn't miss pasta. Um, pizza, I feared it. I refused to have it. Um, and if I did, I was a nervous wreck. I wouldn't eat um, before weighing every Saturday. Like I would make sure I'd eat the very, you know, the, the minimal amount. I mean, I, I could go on and on and on, but um, I know this must, might be triggering for people listening, but it, it, yeah, I was deep. I was I think deep. It's, I think it's also important for people who are listening to recognize that like those behaviors were encouraged by the diet that you were following, Yeah, you know, and you were just excelling at it. Well, I was praised for it. Right. So like, you know, I, I remember raising my hand at a workshop saying that when I'm hungry after work and I feel like I need a snack, I chew gum. Oh, what a great idea, you know? Or like you, we were told in, you know, workshops, um, if you're hungry, you might really be thirsty. Drink water instead, you know? So like, that's what I told myself. Yeah. Or if you're really hungry, an apple will do it. So if you eat the apple and you're still hungry, and you're real, like you're really not hungry. <laughs> like just all these things that I never even yeah. did before. I I never even did those it things or thought those things before. And so, you talk about deciding to delete the app. Like, what for you was like the breaking point where you're like, this is not normal. I was at a workshop, and I was listening to somebody really upset that they were five pounds under goal, over goal, five pounds over their goal weight. And very, they were like very upset, almost in tears. And there, it was to the point where my knee would shake in mm-hmm. workshops. Um, we were virtual still at that point. I wasn't in person because of um, the quarantine and the COVID or whatever. And um, I remember my husband looking at me and seeing my knee shake all the time. And I was, I wasn't happy being present anymore there. And I used to call it my happy place. And I just made me, make me nervous. And I think the things people would say like that would get me, you know, upset. And I spoke up and I said, whatever their name was, I don't even remember. You're still the same, say their name was Christina, like mine. Mm -hmm. You, you're still the same Christina regardless of that five pounds, the, your family, your friends, they love you. That, that five pounds doesn't matter. doesn't make you a better person. And you could hear pin drop. Nobody said a word. Like I felt like an alien. (laughs) Like I just said something really bad, you know, and the person got upset and they were like, but I don't, I I don't like having that five pounds and I want to lose it. Like, like I shut my screen off and I was like, and I didn't go back after that meeting. I didn't go back. 
And I just didn't want to be obsessed anymore mm -hmm. with numbers. And I wanted to trust myself. And so when you delete the app, when you cancel your membership, it asks you why you're leaving. And I remember I even screenshot it and saved it so I could remind myself. I typed because I don't need Weight Watchers anymore. I can trust myself. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to be able to trust myself because yeah. I did it. And so the app still being there was almost like saying, I'm keeping you just in case. Yeah. And I didn't want that there as, a, as the just in case. I wanted to say, you know, goodbye. And so this was what, 2020? So I deleted the app at like a year later, 2021. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, similarly to other individuals in your position, um, I'm sure you didn't just magically forget how many points things were. Yeah. It's like a haunting thing. You will always they remember really, that. That was so another cool. that was another thing that upset me because I would go to sleep counting the points of what I ate in my head. And um, yeah, it took a while. I would say it took about, you know, six months to a year for me to stop doing that. Like I still would count things or think of things as points when I ate them. I, I, ha I haven't done that in a very long time. Um, yeah. So that thankfully that stopped, but that yeah. it took a while. I yeah. think that's so great. I mean, everyone has their own story of like how they like got out of diet culture, how you woke up um, and realized like this doesn't feel right. And it's I find it so interesting that like you were talking about that virtual meeting where that girl was obsessing over five pounds, um, which is a very real fear. Right. Oh, my goodness. Like, oh, I, I, I had those same fears. Like, God forbid I was, you know, over my lifetime, you know, wait. And I would have to pay like that. That's it. That's it is a real fear. Like you feel like you're a failure, you know, doesn't help that they would say things like raise your hand. If you're sitting in the seat for free, who's still a non-paying lifetime member. And I would raise my hand all the time, happy as can be. Like I was like the best thing since sliced bread, you know? And then when I couldn't raise my hand anymore because I wasn't at lifetime um, cause at one point we all know the diet began not to work. They, yeah. they make you feel like it's your, mm -hmm. your fault. Right. And I thought it was my fault, but at one point it didn't work anymore. And I was on it for five years and maintaining a weight loss. And after that five years, it didn't really, I was gaining weight, depriving myself. I was gaining weight, restricting myself heavily, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, when I couldn't raise my hand anymore, um, who's protecting their weight loss. That's, that's the term who's protecting oh my their weight goodness. loss. And I don't a, a good friend of mine has said, you're protecting by stepping away. I was protecting my worth. Yeah. Forget protecting your weight loss, protecting my worth, you know, because I am powerful. worthy regardless of how many pounds I am. And bodies are meant to change. Right. No yeah, one's I mean, going to stay the same weight for the rest of their lives. And if they yeah. are, I would seriously question what's going on there. Yeah. Which yeah, is so crazy. You know, the world praises that, though. I could fit in my, I fit in the same size jeans, you know, or whatever the case may be. Yeah. It's, it's hard. And I think, you know, with 
2020. I can't believe it was three years ago. Um, I feel like we shouldn't have to count those years. Like we can just subtract them. Um, but you know, it, it was like a wake up call for a lot of people recognizing that their behaviors were unhealthy. Um, and it was also the growth of a lot of additional disordered behaviors because of like social media and people promoting these diets or these plans. And now it's just like individuals who, um, maybe in the past may have stayed on the recovery track, um, are being called towards like, oh, but I could just take this weight loss medication and it'll make me lose weight like this person. Well, they did also talk about COVID-15, right? That was a big thing that was going around, right? Did you gain the COVID-15? Yeah. And I have friends who are diabetic and they they have mentioned that they cannot get the the medicine that they need um, for their diabetes or that their insurance is not not covering it anymore, jacking up the prices because of what's going on in the weight loss industry using this medication. And, you know, I think that's ridiculous. I feel bad for the people who have diabetes that can't get it. It's very unfortunate that people who actually need this medication to help their body, you know, absorb glucose properly, um, can't get their medication. And then of course these lovely insurance companies, um, they jack up the prices because they can, because they are unregulated and no one cares. Yeah. It's unfortunate. And you know, I, I like how you talked about like curating your feed. Yeah. And it's, you know, this phone is probably listening to us right now. So now I'm going to see a bunch of crap. Because <laughs> um, sometimes I'll be on TikTok and I'll be like, okay, this is good. This is good. Um, And then it'll be like all of a sudden a, a, a before and after. And I'm like, how did I end up here? Get off yeah. my page. Yeah. It's like so annoying. I don't, yeah. I even me, like who's someone who literally eats and breathes this stuff it still creeps up on you and it's like not necessarily that I I don't personally feel triggered but it's just like I don't want to see that yeah if it's not puppies yeah or fat positive content yeah I don't or farm animals I don't want to see it yeah you know get off my page no offense but you know I'm sorry I think we had a I don't know if it's mine or yours. Can you hear Something me? Happened. Yeah, I hear you. Yes. Okay, you're good. Okay. Um, it's it's tough, and it's tough when people sit there and they're absorbing this content. I know, I'm like repeating myself, but I think it's important for people who are listening, who are on the cusp of recognizing that their behaviors are not healthy, um, and recognizing that like there is another way. And right. another thing that you talked about that I think was really important was when you talked about like the f- embracing your flaws yeah it's like there's there aren't flaws right there's just features right and um i there's one of the leg extension machines at the gym is like literally right in front of the mirror so you're leaned back right you have your f- machine you're on the machine and there's a mirror like 2 feet away and so i have like my lower pooch and don't love it, but it's there. It's part of me. Fine. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm very neutral towards it. Yeah. And so I always snap a picture when I'm sitting there. And I, I call it unflattering because that's how I was taught to view 
Yeah. And so I like to show that to show people like this is normal. Every picture yeah. doesn't have to be perfectly curated. Yeah. Like this is my body. Right. And it's fine. And I'm here at the gym because I enjoy lifting and it makes me feel happy. Right. And it's like my favorite time of the day. And right. one of my colleagues finally sent me a message and she was like, um, she made me rethink using the term flattering. Yeah. Like there should be no such thing as like a flattering right. angle or an unflattering angle. It should just be, this is me yeah. from this thing. And like, you know, as someone like myself who lives in a larger body, my fat is everywhere. You could see me no matter which angle. Yeah. You get a different view, but like, you know, that's how it is. I don't have to contort my body to make a role, you yeah. know, it's just how my body right. is. Right. Um, and so I think it's important for us to address like our own internal language. And that's what I love about the work that you do and what you're talking about in your book, that yeah. the first and important thing that everyone should do is address how we talk to ourselves. Right. Yes. And I think that's the most important thing to start from. You know, if you're someone listening to this, who's like overwhelmed with all this information, um, and these stories and recognizing like maybe some of my behaviors are problematic or unhealthy for me just start very small with how you talk to yourself yeah, like that yeah. should be the number one thing the own intern like we spend the most time within our heads I have all the conversations yeah. in my head at all times yeah. and how we talk about ourselves is like the most important relationship that we have of course like with loved ones and your children of course 100 percent um but the relationship that you have with yourself and how you've spoken to yourself your whole entire life, like most of us haven't had a positive relationship with that. And that's because 100%. of how we were taught. Yeah. It's not our fault. Yeah. I had to do a lot of that, like, you know, positive affirmations. And I brought that into my classroom. So like every morning, part of our morning routine is I say things like, I am brave. And they have to repeat after me. I am smart. And we have a whole list of them that we do. And I have a little mirror in my classroom uh, with little lights around it, you know, the little fairy lights. And it says, I am dot, dot, dot. And they're allowed to go up to the mirror at any time and say something nice about themselves. And they love it. And a lot of them tell me they do it at home when we don't have school. So like, that's part of, you know, me trying to build that positive yeah. self-talk from a young age, because, you know, I, you know, I certainly had a very negative inner critic in my, you know, voice and muting that, you know, uh, voice and letting the positive voice be the louder one, you know, it was really yeah. something that, you know, I had to work on. And because of that, I, I, I try to teach my kids, my own children and my students, the opposite, you know, yeah, um, talking nice to ourselves. And that's why you heard me say a lot during this whole podcast, like I'm giving myself grace. I'm giving myself grace because I, my first reaction would be like, oh my God, how could I have done that? You know, like, why did I say that? How, why did I act that way? How come I didn't know better? That's so easy to say that, but we're all in different seasons and, yeah. you know, we learn and grow and we evolve and change and uh, we have to give our past versions and selves, you know, grace and understanding. A hundred percent. And I really appreciate the work that you do. I appreciate you sharing your story. I think it's so important and it's, I'm sure all, there's millions of people out there who have gone on a quote unquote weight loss journey, whether it was Weight Watchers or whatever, and 
have come back from that or are considering to come back from that and recognize like this is not a way that I can live this yeah. is damaging myself the people around me my children um and it's scary but that's like the bravest thing you could have done was like let go of that yeah it is scary because you're doing the opposite of what everyone around you is doing you know so you do get scared like is this am I doing the wrong thing like it's going against everything that I've been taught you know it's going against everything that I've seen in the world like me leaving a diet me leaving you know uh my whole goal of weight loss is like giving up on myself I'm a failure. I let myself go. Right. That's what they, we all, that's what they teach us. Yeah. So it, it's hard, you know, letting go of the, the, the false narrative that the world likes yeah. to teach us. It's terrifying, but it's so worth it. And now it's it like is. you live your life with a new view on everything. Yes. 100%. Like I said, I wouldn't be able to do all this great stuff that I'm doing now if I didn't step away. Like I, I definitely don't think that I would have felt as propelled to get a book out like this now, you yeah. know, and do all the other work that I'm doing in my school. Yeah. No. I think it's so important. And thank you for everything that you do. We, uh, as, as someone who's a practitioner in this space, I appreciate the work that you're doing. You. And even if your book or your, what you do in your class only helps one person, that's a whole human life. Yes. And that's important. It's always, yeah. even if it's just one person, which obviously you're impacting many more people. But yeah, I always told myself that when I started the podcast, I was like, who the hell wants to listen to me? And um, two, two and a half years later, I'm still here and people like yeah. to listen to me, which I'm always yeah. so grateful for. Yeah. So thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. No, um, I'm honored. Seriously. Thank you for having me here and helping me spread the message of embrace your features. And, you know, it's, I felt like I was talking, you know, to a friend, you know, it's so nice to find like-minded people because when you do step away, like, you know, I did and you did, it's, you feel alone. So this, you mm -hmm. know, helps me feel like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not as alone as I think no, I am. No, for sure. And so everyone who's listening, embrace your features is available on Amazon for mm -hmm. purchase amazon barnesandnoble.com um if, if you google it it's pretty much in a lot of different places um i'm trying to get it on the shelves of actual bookstores but that's a bigger process than i thought it was but amazon and barnesandnoble.com are your best bet yes and we will have that all linked in the show notes as well as christina's social media account so you can please go and give her a follow and show her some love um, and Christina, thank you again so much. I hope you can come back and we can have another episode. I'm sure there's a million other topics we could talk about. <laughs> I would love to. Thank you. Thank of you course, so much. you're welcome. And thank you to everyone listening. I will see you at the next episode. Thank you again for listening to this episode. And if you enjoy this podcast, please consider giving a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening to this podcast. And if you are interested in buying Christina's book, Embrace Your Features, which I highly recommend, I have the links in the show notes. You can head to Amazon or Barnes & Noble, both of their websites, and type in Embrace Your Features, and you can find the book there as well. Thank you guys again, and I will see you next week.